Hi there and welcome back to the FFS podcast. I'm your host Pradi once again and this is episode number 23 of season 2 of the FFS series. Uh I whether you're joining us for this particular episode or if you've been listening to our previous episodes and you're joining us for this one as well, welcome back and I'm glad we could have you on here. Uh so for this particular episode, well if you remember our previous episode which is episode 22 which we did last week, I did mention that a couple of weeks ago i put out a poll uh, on instagram on and on twitter asking uh, we asked for their thoughts on or suggestions about a particular topic that they wanted to hear about or they wanted to discuss uh, so for last week we you know we spoke about the topic that won the poll and by margin of just one or two votes uh, so we spoke about mbappe versus haland and the next generation of youngsters coming up and for this particular podcast we're going to be talking about finances of clubs finances man- you know just regular management of clubs and how they've been affected by the pandemic whether they've been severely hit by the pandemic whether they've somehow managed to curb the damage uh, you know because of brilliant planning i know you can't plan ahead for something that just happened so immediate and so sudden but you know just because their management over the past few seasons have been sound so stuff like that so we've got fans of various clubs from across various leagues uh, on this particular podcast and i guess as we do with our, our previous episodes we'll start with introductions and like it is the norm for this series we'll do it in alphabetical order so let's start off with anirudh anirudh would you like to tell us a bit about yourself hi pradi thanks for having me again uh, so my name is anirudh i'm an avid uh, liverpool fan and i watch the premier league as well as the champions league quite a bit i try my best to follow bundesliga often on when i can but uh, apart from that yeah i've been supporting liverpool since i think 04 and yeah that's pretty much about me i reside in chennai so yeah awesome uh, and anil has been on this podcast before uh, i think we did the one on uh, was it var i think yeah it was it was var when we were uh, when it was yeah. a hot topic right <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean var is always a hot topic but yeah at that point of time probably was uh yeah we thought we'd catch it early and kind of discuss that but definitely i mean glad we could have him on here and then next we move on to manish and manish would you like to tell us a bit about yourself yes hey guys and thanks prajiman for having me uh, my name is manish i'm a hardcore inter milan fan i've been a fan of inter since last two decades i think since the late 90s christian vieri and ronaldo strike partnership ever since and yeah i've been watching italian league very closely and following each and every matches and also i have a we have a like podcast an inter podcast in youtube called solo inter podcast and yes uh, happy to be on the show pradi correct me if i'm wrong but you haven't been on this particular the longer series you've been on the shorter series a couple of times before right reviewing games and all that yes so i've been i think around three times in the shorter series and uh, <laughs> i think one one was fun we had a couple of interactions with other italian football fans that was mm. really <laughs> interesting yeah, no. definitely and i'm i'm glad we could have you on here i mean this is definitely going to be different but i'm sure it's going to still be interesting from a more thought provoking or analytical perspective uh and yeah i can't wait to hear your thoughts especially given the recent events regarding inter Cheers, and then yeah. yeah and next we move on to ojus and ojus would you like to give us a brief introduction hey pradi thanks for having me on this podcast uh, i'm ojus i'm a bayern fan i am warrior basti on twitter i've been on uh the podcast a few times uh, i think once on the shorter form 
and i'm happy to be back i think uh, it's great to be on a podcast again with you and anirudh where i was a part of the vr podcast so it's great yeah. catching up with you again so oh yeah definitely yeah i remember you gave us the non premier league perspective in that particular podcast yes, yes absolutely yeah. <laughs> this is great and yeah i'm glad that we could have you on here and definitely you know bayern would be one of a key sort of top sub topics that we'll be discussing uh and next we move on to rahul uh, rahul would you give us a brief introduction hey so i'm rahul and uh, i've been a barca fan for the major part of the previous decade i'm 21 and it's it really hasn't been a great time for us economically as well as sporting wise so it has been quite a rough patch for us and i'm here for the third time i've ranted quite a number of times about the board previous time as well and i might end up doing the same today <laughs> exactly I, i mean i don't I'm think yeah i think the when i reached out to you i wasn't sure because i was wondering i said this was the third time that i'm asking him to talk about the same thing again and again because i remember we did the presidential elections you ranted exactly. about that we spoke about uh, i think was it the messi contract situation yeah, we, yeah, yeah. we had issues with that again with the board and now we're talking about this so it's all like Oh, this must be just be deja vu for you all over again. <laughs> uh, no, but I'm glad we could have I you on. Yeah. Uh, and lastly, we've got Sujay, and Sujay's not been on the podcast before. He's the only one here who's not been on the podcast before, whether it be for this series or the shorter series. So I'm glad we could have a fresh face on here. So Sujay, would you like to tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah. Hi, Pradi. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, I'm Sujay. I'm based in Delhi. I host the Yellow Wall India podcast for the Yellow Wall India fan page. I'm a supporter of Borussia Dortmund, and yeah, me and Ojas have some catching up to do tonight after the game, right, Ojas? Yeah, man. I I think it's it's going to be a it's going to be a good one. Yeah, man. Yeah. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, all right. So I'm glad we could have you all on here for this episode and talking about this particular topic. I do have to mention though this is we are only going to be talking about men's football uh, I did want to include an element of women's football in this but because there are a lot of complexities regarding that side of the game we will definitely have another separate podcast for that so don't worry about that so this would be sort of part 1 and before we get into this I think it'll, it's only right that I kind of start with Ojas because Ojas is the one who suggested this topic that we talk about this in greater detail and uh, yeah he's the reason we're all here on this podcast today so uh or just why don't you tell us a bit about why you wanted us to discuss about this or even want if you weren't going to be on the podcast which thank god you are but if you want to why did you want to hear about this why is this such a big topic right now yeah uh yeah supari so i uh, the reason why i wanted to and I'm, i'm 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 posing this as a question to the the entire panel that's on the podcast today was that i was extremely curious and and fascinated by how big a part uh you know covid and everything that's followed has taken a part in how uh, you know clubs are affected by finances and i think that's that's got to do also with uh, a few geopolitical things that have affected a few clubs and and it's it's kind of a little hard to follow uh you know big clubs and at least the top big leagues in europe and how they're affected and as a fan you are always in the know how of a club but of your club but you're not always uh, you know it's it's not always very easy to find literature that's uh giving you clarity on the finances of other clubs you would have to really follow them in greater detail so i kind of wanted to ask the the room and ask various fans and get their perspective on how their clubs are being affected by uh whatever's happened in the last 18 to like a couple of years 
and in general what what is it looking like because that's something that from a fan perspective is always lacking you either have uh, club sharing information or you have journalism there's nothing from a fan's perspective and what they are kind of anticipating and and i kind of wanted to get a better perspective on some of the other big like clubs in europe and 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 get that perspective from purely a, a fan side of things on how you guys are looking at finances yeah, yeah. no it, this is definitely a very unusual problem that's arisen uh, of late i mean no one expected the pandemic to happen and have of course when it happened everyone knew you know the kind of damage that it would have on clubs especially once we heard that you know fans wouldn't attend stadiums and all of that i mean it's it's an interesting perspective because when interesting point that you made actually about you know you don't hear, get to hear fan stakes on this because i remember i think i had this conversation on whatsapp a, a few months ago and uh, with someone and we were kind of talking and i said you know we do episodes based on stuff like this and the question that they posed or he posed to me was you know how much of information do we actually have as fans you know like you mentioned we know a bit about our club but journalists and all and the media sort of do more research into finances i'm sure at some level we also do have but i don't know how publicly available finances are for certain clubs so it's definitely going to be interesting to hear from our fans perspective on this because this is something that i think not many people kind of ask or because they assume that we don't you know care about the finances we just kind of care of what is happens on the pitch uh, from our perspective so i guess what i'm going to ask each one of you is now that we are like coach just mentioned we are 18 months to 20 months down the line with what's been happening uh, around the world the pandemic and all that quickly just tell me whether you feel that your club or i know it's affected each of your clubs right but has the effect been better or worse than what you imagined it to be so i'll start again i'll probably do it in reverse order this time so sujay so from dotman's perspective the impact that covid has had in terms of the finances uh, of the club in terms of even management has it been worse or better than you probably expected it to be you know to be honest with you it's it's been way worse for us than all the other uh, clubs that uh, we have represented as of today because as you know uh, dotman is famous for the yellow wall and we not having fans in the stadium means more home losses we also reported a 26.3 million euro loss in the last quarter so all these things have been going on and then along with that the worst part is that we have some liabilities uh, we had some liabilities in, in our club which are not gone now gone our say mario godze was one of them so in that perspective yes we are moving forward but still there are some roadblocks that we need to get over with all right uh, we'll delve into that in greater detail in a future sub uh, in a future segment <laughs> yeah pradi i have a question so yeah i think uh, i think you're overestimating how bad dotment has it i think again i think um, rahul and uh, manish will have better perspective i think inter and barca are quite fucked as well uh, yeah, i, I think I think inter in I think inter in specific I don't even want to go into Barca but I think uh, I think in that regard when you said like like you know other representatives I think we have a few poorer cousins on on this episode today. Oh yeah definitely uh, because the next person that's going to be speaking right now is Rahul and I was going to say Rahul I'm pretty sure you'll have something to say given that your club's in like what 900 or billion or million. <laughs> yeah exact. Uh, so Jay just said that they recorded uh, what 26.3 million losses. in the last quarter barca recorded 97 million so that's we already had an incompetent board in the first place and then there is covid then we had another humiliation and oh just might be quite happy about that so 
apart from that uh, barsa also has a 900 million debt right now uh, most of that is kind of you know not uh, a long term it's a short term debt and that would be cleared after the new president comes in but apart when from that, that we are pretty fuck <laughs> when will that tomorrow night actually so yeah no but i think your your perspective is interesting because not only has i mean your management was already poor before the pandemic so it's kind of accentuated the how bad your board has actually been treating the club exactly there have been there have haven't been any proper transfers over that a uh, 90 99000 capacity stadium has been empty for 20 months of, for like 20 months now and that uh, that has affected quite majorly the finances haven't really been great i already said 900 million losses like <laughs> it's a huge number it's not even i mean even brain cannot calculate that number so dortmund you are actually in a better place right now than us at least all right perfect uh yeah yeah i was just saying that you know dortmund is a very youth centric club so at least that way uh, we're a little sorted that we have a lot of young talent on board so there's not a not a lot of wage liability on the board as of now so uh, i mean yeah. you don't spend 400 million on three people let's just put it that but uh, <laughs> i i have a question though uh, sorry hmm. uh, sorry sujay uh, like uh, i would just want to ask a question um, how does barca get into 900 million debt i don't understand like like i genuinely am curious i understand a part of it is a stadium which is collateralized which is against the the stadium being renovated but like how does it go wrong from like just what 3 years ago neymar was sold like how like 900 is a, is a big amount for a club that has still won what 3 out of 4 out of 5 la ligas like when, bra- uh, actually the thing is when uh, neymar was sold the club was already in debt during that time and we already spent majorly on bringing in Dembele then Coutinho and Griezmann and there is this thing Bartomeu brought i mean loaned some money in order to bring in Griezmann that 120 or 130 million that got added on and it the it's like a story of 10 years down the lane which has affected the club and that's the reason we have a debt of like 900 million euros right now so yeah. it's not just the covid pandemic but even the pandemic has affected quite a lot definitely uh, but or just from bayern's perspective now uh, as it has it been better than what you expected it to be or slightly worse uh, so i honestly from a bayern perspective pradi i'm a bit bit lost because uh, you know bayern in terms of the the information they put out a very uh, for the lack of a, a better word very miserly in the way they position themselves like they'll come across with a statement one day saying that hey you know we're not going to give a uh, contract extension then we have no money and then they sign an upamakano by paying as a release clause like it is very confusing as a bayern fan to to gather what what the club is up to uh, we're in good financial health i think bayern is kind of uh, playing the safer side in terms of like you know uh, being a, being erring on the more cautious side of things by um, not commenting or not trying to splurge or trying to play this picture of uh, us being affected as much but at the same time i do feel that you know this overt caution could cost the club its ability to manage and plan the team like for example i think one thing that bayern lucked out with purely financially i think we'd be affected a lot more if we didn't win the treble or if we didn't win the champions league i think that's kind of cushioned the losses or cushioned the impact a bit so i think if if the fans don't return by the end of this year i think bayern will also be looking at uh, like you know getting rid of a few players it won't be as dire as some of these other clubs but 
I again feel that it's all dependent on success, and I think it, it's very hard to guarantee that. I it, like it's not going to happen, uh, especially continental success because it opens up other tournaments for you to play. So I think we'll be fine, but I think if the fans don't return by the end of the year, I think German clubs will have it a lot trickier than they've had in this year or in 2020. Right. And speaking of clubs in dire, I think Manish Inter Milan. I think the news has kind of just been piling up of late about how how much of distress you guys are in. So, but did you expect this happening, or you know, was it worse than what you had expected when the pandemic hit and? you know when people were talking about how clubs would be hit financially so pradi uh, i think uh, most of us know that inter's nickname is called uh, padza inter padza basically literally translation means crazy crazy inter so normally it's on the field antics which inter has been judged for you know like they they screw up uh, like matches like that they lead 4-0 then we lose so like 5-4 and stuff but now surprisingly in the footballing terms inter is doing really well in the domestic league we are top of the table by six points things are going all good and merry and then all of a sudden like this stuff things happen <laughs> so ever since sunning has taken over inter i think five or six years back uh, sunning had a serious project in mind and they invested in the right areas most importantly they invested in the right management we got a couple of directors who were sacked from juventus like directors like beppe merota and they stabilized the club did the right signings and we had a very good project and most of all when the chinese owners came uh, soning it's a group a retail group which sells electronics in china and actually they are quite big in china very big their revenues like 1 billion dollars and stuff so they are massively yeah. big in china so ever since they took over and inter was well and good all merry until last year uh, i think and sorry in this 2020 uh, september onwards the chinese government they imposed a limit on foreign investments in non strategic sectors so that includes football too so this was completely at odds with what the government was encouraging 2 years ago so the chinese government told you cannot spend in foreign clubs and stuff so inter milan it's it's an irony because uh, inter is actually the owners are quite rich and the revenues have been improving over the last years and uh, obviously the club is still in loss but it was improving uh, year after year but after this uh, ban which came uh, the chinese funds cannot come into uh, inter so that's a very tricky situation because of that and now salaries are due for a couple of months and inter the owners are desperately looking for out for new investors so right now it's like chaotic situation off footballing terms but in footballing terms inter's been doing well so right now it's like we're linked with a lot of potential again foreign owners uh, there's a saudi fund which is really interested to buy inter uh, as a whole there's also something american fund company called bc partners which pretty much I think on paper they have verbally agreed it, but it's not yet finalized. So until then, you know, it's a financial circus right now because uh, everyone doesn't know exactly what's a clear picture. It's all based on rumors and stuff like that, Paddy. Okay, no, perfect. Uh, and we'll delve into that in just a little while later. Uh, lastly, we've got Anil. Anil, from Liverpool's perspective, what were your thoughts on like if if you were to look now back at whatever the eighteen twenty months that's passed by? Do you think we've somehow uh the liverpool board somehow managed to curb the damage that could have been done on liverpool's finances uh, see very honestly the fact that we have uh, fenway sports group uh, backing us in a way when i look at everyone else on this panel right now i think it's been uh, so much uh, better as such you know because we've not really had too much of an issue the issue of fans not being there obviously makes a lot of difference but apart from that 
situations where I think we would have spent, we haven't because of COVID. Obviously, having a we would have we would have spent more on a defensive uh, on a center back in the window in the previous transfer window. But we the fact that we only spent on someone from the championship and someone from Schalke shows the fact that even clubs like us were not ready to spend or splurge as much money. And that's very evident, like in the in the way the club has been kind of moving. I don't think apart from that in the in the summer window, we wanted to sign Thiago and Yota, and we kind of only had that intention. There was never an intention of getting someone to replace Lovren. It's a different thing that we've gotten into a situation where all our uh, senior centre-backs are kind of uh, injured. But no one predicted that. And I think it's a very different situation. I don't think the implications are as bad as, say, for an Inter or for a Barca, uh, like as compared to a Liverpool. It's much worse for them. Uh, so yeah, as, as they already have mentioned in the podcast, I'm probably one of the one of the luckier people on the panel to not really have too much to worry about in terms of the financial condition of the club. Yeah, that's that. Hence, we've got you know fans of various clubs who probably had differing imp- or have been impacted differently by the pandemic. Uh, and that's not to say that some have profited from it, but definitely not. But that's to say that some have probably managed to curb the amount of damage done. And I think from Anil from Liverpool's perspective, also the fact, like O just mentioned, the fact that uh, Liverpool won the Premier League last year. And, you know, previously the Champions League and then the last year also, I think, I don't know how much the Super Cup and the Club World Cup in terms of tournament prize money gets. But I'm sure winning the trophy itself, you know, brings in a lot of revenue that way. And not to mention that for a while, uh, unlike, I don't know about the other clubs, but I think Liverpool in the Premier League were one of the only few clubs to allow fans into the stadium, though limited in limited number, for probably the longest time uh, as compared with other clubs. Yeah, very, very, very true, actually, Pradeem, what you're saying, as I was just going to get, get into that as well, the fact that uh, Bayern Munich and Liverpool have kind of won a bunch of things in the last couple of years has probably cushioned everything else in terms of the financial implications for us. And very rightfully said, you know, because we're not, maybe we're not seeing it as deeply because of the money that we've kind of earned or won from those uh, championships, you know, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, to, to add to what you said, Pradi, with uh, the Super Cup and the Club World Cup, right? Like, just, uh, I think, to win the Club World Cup, you get, I think, uh, you know, like, $6 million or $7 million. Now, this amount may uh, sound like it, it's not that big in football. But when you look at it, it is technically kind of like, you know, the annual wages of, of one of your squad players. Or it's basically what you're going to spend to sustain your youth academy for that year. So, you know, even if you can offset that loss by playing in the tournament and all the additional brand deals and media exposure that you get by playing in tournaments like the UEFA Super Cup and the Club World Cup, um, which Liverpool and Bayern have in the last couple of years, I think you you kind of like these games kind of offset losses because what's happened is that uh, just one thing that I wanted to bring up, which when Anirudh was speaking, like uh, it occurred to me, which is also that a lot of clubs are affected because nobody's had that international tour that happens in the off-season. So, mm-hmm. your International Champions Cup and going to Southeast Asia or going to the US and, you know, that great marketing exercise, I think all the European clubs have been kind of depraved of it. I think that's also played a part in helping clubs, like specifically here, Bayern and Liverpool kind of offsetting that with the Club World Cup and the and the Super Cup. Uh, definitely. Uh, Sujay, from Dortmund's perspective, you did mention, of course, the law... Uh, uh, I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't say loss of, but you know the lack of fans adds to that sort of eeriness in at the Sigaluduna Stadium. 
and so one of the major components of revenue that fans uh, that clubs you know receive is the you know gate receipts which is people coming in to watch matches and all of that and for a huge stadium uh, that Dortmund has it it's definitely going to put a hole in your pocket if you burn a hole in your pocket if you don't have fans come in so how much of an impact has that had on the team uh, you know if you want to talk on the pitch as well as off the pitch I mean, for sure, dude. Like, if you see uh, uh, Dortmund's home performance this season, it's been significantly worse than the past few seasons. It's it's just because of the fact that we don't have the fans in the stadium. And uh, uh, to add to that, yes, we have uh, the biggest stand in, standing stand in Europe and uh, not filling that hurts financially also and also to the psychology of the players on the pitch. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a big loss and uh, the 50 plus one rule does not help at all. Uh, yeah, and Ojas, uh, your like the fifty-one plus rule. Uh, did we have you on that uh, yeah, podcast? Yeah, yeah, early? yeah. Yeah, I, I so, was on that podcast. Yeah. So you know, now talking about it, you know, we talk about investments and coming in, and I'm sure we'll talk about Inter as well. For so for how important is it not only for Bayern but for the German clubs that are there in the Bundesliga to get that sort of investment in the, in these kind of in these times. I think it's super important. Yeah, I, I don't know if if Sujay will agree with me on this, but in my opinion, at this point, um, taking away the 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 principle, I think, in my opinion, in just the way they've conducted themselves, I think um, RB Leipzig is one of the best run clubs in football, and I think that's because they can largely not worry about um, you know having to sell a player because of what's happened. Like imagine uh, if if Dortmund does not do significantly well, and this is just a hypothetical. uh they may kind of lose out on the on a, a big core of their youngsters and again you know like it's great from a from a business sense but dortmund really spent a lot of money in in shaping these players like your sanchos and your halands and your giovani renas i think having that 50 plus, like that 50 plus 1 rule is going to cripple clubs uh cripple german clubs while i like, get the the stability that it offers i think uh, you know every club needs to kind of be able to choose and i think specifically teams like or like big clubs like Dortmund and say even for example look at what's happening with the Schalke bad management in 50 plus 1 is also possible it's not a byproduct of external investment always so i think um, that rule really is kind of holding back a lot of teams in the bundesliga from even sustaining themselves now earlier i understand it's about drive but right now it's during these covid times when your revenue streams are cut short i think it's not very smart to curtail further investment so yeah i i don't really agree with the rule at all to be honest and sujay but uh, one of the other criticisms that dortmund has faced is the lack of ambition shown by the board in term, terms of trying to win trophies like ojas and anirudh mentioned you know liverpool and bayern have managed to sort of cushion the impact of that of the pandemic because they won trophies so how imperative is it that you know dortmund now go ahead and try proving to you know start winning trophies because at the end of the day like we just mentioned you might then find yourselves without the i mean find yourself losing these youngsters and sometimes at ridic- ridiculously low prices because you just need to sustain uh, your club it's no secret that dortmund was in a lot of debts in the past and uh, we've had to make some decisions because of that and i wouldn't say the board is not ambitious because if they weren't they wouldn't be retaining uh, the senior talent in the team but having said that yes i do agree that we do need to go for the championships we do need to go for the titles because that's going to further ease us out in terms of finances but in terms of 
uh, debts yes we are in a lot of debt right now also and uh, as uh, ojas mentioned the 50 plus 1 rule is holding us back there and i do agree with them i mean for now i i feel that uh, because of the pandemic so much losses have been incurred by so many german clubs it's going to be it's going to be a matter of life and death for a lot of clubs after this pandemic you know we can't just get an external investor and ask them to invest in the club oh no definitely and we've seen that even in the english league a lot of these championship clubs uh, and lower leagues sort of folding because they you know poor management in sometimes this was even without the pandemic you know you were very you i think you had begin athletic also almost going to administration you have a lot of these clubs that you know suffer a lot uh, and have, and will continue to suffer now given that even fans which are probably their majority or gate receipts which constitute a majority of their sort of revenue that is curbed so yeah it's definitely concerning times uh, if you if they don't find you know uh, interested investors rahul from barcelona's perspective though i know you mentioned that the presidential elections are tomorrow and i let's hope that they continue tomorrow this <laughs> and not get postponed yet again but what what does that mean now for barcelona going forward in terms of trying to clear out that debt and what are the structural changes that you can expect from that whoever comes in must be should have been should be coming up with a you know a financial backup because most of the 900 million euro debt that i mentioned is short term and needs to be paid by the end of this year that's 420 million so as uh, the new president whoever comes in and it mostly would be laporta it's like a cake walk for him right now and laporta has a lot of uh, financial experts as he has mentioned so it would it's kind of an impossible task to pay a 420 million but uh, with what he has presented right now and his ideas or his structures for the future i think he would be able to pay it off but it kind of dicey at the moment because as ojas and anirudh said that liverpool and bayern have won trophies so it is question but for barcelona 2019-20 season was trophyless and that and that the fans even more and we, that's that's the major reason because of what these scandals you must be saying have come out then the president resigning the covid pandemic was already there so it's like everything at once and now it's getting stable a day day by day month by month and with the president you know, with the new president coming in the future kind of looks bright but let's see what happens and uh, correct me if i'm wrong but i mean there there are talks about redevelopment and renovating camp now which would you know further that those sort of debts and make it even harder now to raise finances plus added to that i think you, if i'm not mistaken there were talks of selling the rights to camp now stadium to raise investments and of course i think now laporta has also said that he's going to get unicef back on to the jersey so how, how how important are these sponsorships and these you know selling of, and first of all are you okay with selling the na- naming rights for camp now and second I, you know how important are they i wouldn't mind selling the uh, naming rights at the moment because we need to pay off the debt that's that's the first thing and that's the first priority that laporta comes in with so anything that he does to in order to stabilize the club that would be fine at and it wouldn't be a huge change for us just we'll be just uh, selling off the naming rights and by the way the renovation of the camp now that would be postponed that would definitely be postponed for the moment right and manish now for inter milan 
you did mention the on pitch performances doing well and of course now you've overtaken even your fellow rivals ac milan to now being top atop the serie a table now with all of these performances are you slightly surprised that, because when we talk about uh, football we normally say that there's a trickle down effect of sorts right so if there's something wrong up above in the board level it sort of trickles down to what's been happening on the pitch are you slightly surprised that's not happening with inter uh, the thing is uh, pradi i think you know a coach is uh, a bit animated uh, antonio conti uh, he likes <laughs> to wash uh, dirty linen in public so uh, i think once we had a negative result he tried to bring out the point it said that we had a project uh, last august and that stopped then and there uh, after that we haven't signed any player since september so the project to which regarding like signing investing signing new players that didn't happen and apart from that uh, pradi so the uh, the results are good right now so so far mm-hmm. it's not showing impact but the moment uh, negative results start coming i'm sure more and more of these uh, leaks and uh, more skeletons out of the closet will be coming out but saying that uh, pradi like if you check among serie italian clubs we have inter has the highest attendance i think we're fifth in europe uh we have an attendance around 65000 so that being no being no fans being in the stadium that's going to impact us i think dortmund are the highest uh, in europe second bayern barca manchester united and then inter in terms of uh, spectators average fans so that ways we got a massive hit on that and other than that uh, we not in champions league we got knocked out so no europe means again it's a big impact i think last year in europa league we went up to the final we lost it but this is in again no europe that again has had a very big impact on the club finances and you also mentioned something about uh, t-shirt sponsorship i think mm-hmm. the association with pirelli pirelli has been an iconic brand with inter for last i think uh, since 1990s yeah late 90s yeah. and i think this is pretty much going to end this year because the sponsorship funds what you're getting the t-shirt sponsorship it's very less it's five times less than what you went as you're getting you went as getting five times more than us so the pirelli the company has confirmed that this will be the last year pirelli is going to be with inter in terms of t-shirt sponsorship so from next year we can expect a new sponsor a new uh, so in that ways the revenue will definitely boost and uh, most of all i think where italian leagues uh, italian league is uh, affected is basically the tv rights i think premier league has the highest amount of tv rights it's highest in the world then comes i think uh, it goes to french league german league Spanish league and then comes Italian league in terms of TV revenues. So if you check all in all we are impacted not just from one angle we are impacted from a lot of angles and saying that the owners being rich cannot invest in the club. So it's been a financial struggle since uh, since the pandemic and inter being uh inter like we are struggling very badly with new fresh funds and new money and we didn't have any much big player sales so I think the last sale we had over the last few years has been Mauro Icardi and that we haven't sold any big name players so yeah the situation is kind of fucked up right now <laughs> yeah no but well while you got you know the likes of lukaku and all while paying top dollar as well right so it's i mean there has been a lot of incomings as well like, i think eric erickson's on loan or was he bought as well i'm not uh, erickson was bought uh, for around yeah. 10 million uh yeah yes. so we did a lot of signings yeah swinning the project mm. uh, he has uh, i think you know conti is a very demanding coach he had a <laughs> list of players and pretty much all the players we signed as per his wish and that's how now we like we seeing the results now because all the players are as per conti's wish but saying that ever since september of last year we haven't signed any player in the january mercato we just sold players we gave away on loan but we haven't signed any players which which is not too bad because we we often talk about like net spend and how you know 
certain clubs need to sell in order to buy and which and especially during this time during the pandemic it is more some you see clubs more looking to sell rather than buy you know big top dollar uh, players so uh, it, it is good but then uh, talking about this recent happening of the chinese uh, companies not being able to you know invest in foreign uh, leagues and all of that first of all i i i didn't know about this until i kind of read it off recently so first of was this was this something that was announced all of a sudden or was that something that you saw on the pipeline and second how do you think inter maybe should have dealt with it if had had they seen it coming so the the risk with foreign ownership is you know the rules keep changing i mean now and then especially a country like china it changes very frequently so i think uh, 3 or 4 years back the chinese government they told you know chinese companies to invest wherever possible and suning being a very big uh, electronic retailer they wanted to have their presence in europe so they wanted to go in a big style and uh, i think zhang the owner of inter he wanted inter to compete in the highest level get the best of players get the best of coach and i think conti the coach we are paying him one of the highest paid managers in the world so on a project wise yes uh, swinning had taken inter back on top so i'm not complaining about that but the issue happened since last august uh, where the chinese government actually imposed a new law saying that companies in china cannot invest abroad they can invest locally but not abroad so also swinning had a one more chinese club uh, it's called jiangsu yeah. uh, fc which pretty much just last week the news came out where they just put hands off it they they no more associated with the club they, they won the chinese league and they won the title last season right yes <laughs> they won the title last season yeah, so that again was scary yeah because uh, and couple, a couple of inter rejects we sent to that club uh, players like mm-hmm. eder vivanda and stuff so all of a sudden that club got dissolved overnight so that's the thing with foreign ownership pradi uh, we can never expect what's going to happen until you know it happens and ever since august happened the 2020 uh, everyone's in confused state nobody knows exactly what has to be done the only solution is to get a new buyer quickly because right. i don't think china is going to change the laws again quite frequently so that would be the best scenario because suning has done a brilliant job no complaints uh for last five years what have they, whatever they have done in terms of marketing in terms of signing players in terms of project you've been spot on oh yeah no uh, definitely and i think if you said that they changed the laws last year which i think that's one of the worst times because everyone was in you know because the pandemic had hit, hit us all of, all of a sudden uh, no one knew actually what to do and to then kind of cut investing at that point of time i think it's some either it's, it's some sort of like a big brain move to do something or the other that we don't know about uh but i think it it would definitely been scary and Also, it's going Freddy, to, go, yeah. to bring the light to it uh, i would say up to last year inter finances were okay because like i said the owners are quite rich uh, in mm-hmm. terms of their sales they're like close to 1 billion euros a year so in inter is linked with messi along with man city like we could afford messi's contract that was situation one year ago compared to now see the contrast yeah. <laughs> so yeah it's a funny situation right now oh uh, yeah football's a funny game uh, all right and uh, okay now ojus and anil i guess moving to a slightly i i can't say a more happier mood but because of the fact that you know it's still quite a uh, it's still quite damaging to every club's finances but for liverpool anirudh i was having this conversation so we i think when we talk about pending and net spends and all that we of our finances for that matter we often forget about wages and liverpool's got one of the biggest 
wage bills in whether it be in England or in Europe. So, are, are we kind of seeing the price that we have to pay for keeping these talents uh, in such a situation? I don't think we have I as high a wage bill as say a Barcelona. But I'm not saying we don't have a high wage bill either. I mean, Messi so the, probably eclipses yeah. us anyway. <laughs> yeah. So that's what. Uh, again, I think the fact that uh, how we're doing business in terms of Edwards doing business, he is good. Yeah. I, I don't think I don't think we're going to have a problem even with the wages. Even if you listen to Klopp talking about wages, he'll say we play we pay relatively good. He's not never going to say we pay a lot of money. So even he knows yes. that they're paying relatively good money. and and it's in a space where they can afford to do it and they can afford to do it for a bit and considering how things are progressing with covid i'd say at least i'd like to believe that next season's going to start a fresh wave fans in the stadium because i how how things are progressing with vaccinations and all of that i think over the summer we'll have a lot more development in terms of going beyond empty stadiums you know so i think that's going to help all the clubs not just and not just anfield or just uh by munich or any of these any of the specific one club but it's going to help everyone because fans in itself bring in a lot of revenue as everyone said it the fact that you have people attending and when clubs or stadiums are full plays a very very big role in how the company or the club finances work right and uh or just from bayern's perspective from bayern's perspective you did mention them sort of putting out you know whenever they put, say something it's always it feels like they're saying that they don't have any money but on the other hand if you look at it you know you in the summer you went and spent on deroy sane uh, you spent now on upamecano which i think fine i mean you were in talks of signing upamecano but you know suddenly in january you there were rumors and you know new stories saying that things were already accelerating and that you'd already agreed to sign so you know why is why is are they doing this just so that they i mean they might have the money they don't want to put it out there just so that they don't get taken or i wouldn't say ripped apart in the transfer market but for example barcelona when they sold neymar everyone knew that they had 222 million to deal with so they could name their price and they knew barcelona had the money to spend so are bayern playing it slightly cautious because they don't want people to know or the public to know that they actually have x amount of money Uh, reserved and they can make the buys that they want to come summer uh, so i i don't think that's uh, like that's entirely the reason why i think uh, just to like kind of give a bit of perspective i think uh, even with say liverpool because some of my closest friends are liverpool fans and again this may be unfounded or lacking in perspective that maybe you and anirudh would have just to kind of uh, build on to my point um uh, pl- clubs like bayern and liverpool and i think largely most top clubs in europe have a large part of their roster where the contracts are ending in either 2023 or 2024 where now the thing is that with the way covid is or with the pandemic that the way it's shaped up i think money has still played a big part in footballers ambitions so i think uh, the caution is more from a perspective of not setting the right precedent and a fair amount of uncertainty that could come in with a pandemic like this i think while uh, you know like while uh, fans coming back will improve the situation you don't know if something else will happen like you don't know if uh, you know there like like uk was in talks like uk even had a partial lockdown now yeah. even with vaccination you don't know how it's going to shape up right 
and with a country like germany which is extremely cautious and extremely uh, strict when it comes to healthcare uh, bayern dortmund german clubs are extremely reliant on gate money because bundesliga does not make as much on tv money so okay. so with say a joshua kimmich a ganabri and these guys coming close to the end of the line with their contracts and being core parts of our our team it it becomes a little tricky to then negotiate a higher salary which would not have been a problem just 18 months ago so i think bayern kind of doesn't want like like i think most clubs know that bayern have money because they've operated in good financial health but at the same time bayern will not pay uh, that premium right now which would not have hurt them as much which is why uh, the possibility of a nicolas suler or say even a uh, even a leon goretzka's contract being up which i think will be tied down very quickly but like even david alaba leaving money does play a big part because what people forget is a large part of uh, the transfer is not even the fees but is the amortization yeah. of agent fees and wages that go on over 5 years right yeah. and upama convert 22 is not going to cost you even half as much as uh, an alaba extending so i think this uncertainty will uh, cripple clubs in fear and i think it's right because it's a business at the end of the day so i think what liverpool or what bayern would do where i suspect that liverpool may probably even be willing to let a mosala go again very outside looking in from the outside perspective and same for bayern with sula or some of these other guys is just because it will be easier to replace them rather than you know even slightly tamper the wage structure in such a volatile climate and i think that's why uh, you know there are there going to be signings and transfers are going to be very uh, are going to be funded now by transfers out i think that's going to be how it is we're bayern selling every single youth player either he's been loaned out quisan zergzi where they are going to kind of fund whatever we spend in the market because you just can't take that risk because another lockdown i think like sujay mentioned earlier like another lockdown or another such incident and a lot of german clubs are bankrupt which automatically then has an effect on bigger clubs like bayern and dortmund and leipzig and the likes so there's a fair amount of caution and uncertainty which will dictate or like which is the sentiment of the market i think at least in the coming window right uh, anil would you agree with that because some so i the uh, because that's so, sort of the opposite of what i've ca- kind of heard which is people would i mean i guess given that we're talking about liverpool and bayern clubs that are one thing so to replace players that you have already in your club you i mean you need only the best players in the world and they cost you quite a bit so some some argue that it might be better if you were to keep your players you know in the squad and con- extend their contracts rather than go out and spend if you're talking mbappe and uh haland kind of money so where do you sit on this so when it comes to uh what oj is saying i agree with it on quite a bit now for example a very very clear example is uh, jini vinaldo's case now we're not ready to offer him more money because as as oj said you'd rather invest on someone younger because that money would probably reap more benefits in the long run right it and rather than extending someone's contract as much as i think he's he's a workhorse and he's amazing but fsg doesn't see it that way edwards doesn't see it that way maybe cop does but there has to there has to be a voting system or something that goes around in terms of how which is why they've not come to an agreement and he's ready to move on right there are two ways to look at it obviously but i don't think it's just about money with ronaldo but it's a good it's a good situation for me to kind of give you as an example that the fact that we're not ready to extend someone's contract because of his salary package shows how restrictive the the boards or the groups are 
in terms of making these kind of decisions because otherwise for someone who's contributed so much to a club i wouldn't see any reason as to why we wouldn't extend this contract so yeah and uh, from i, I don't know uh, much about the uh, like the other club but from liverpool's perspective i think the one argument that or not the one argument but one thing that i kind of i'm uncertain about is fsg's hold on boston red sox as well as liverpool how much of that because both sports have been affected by the pandemic uh, in the us and as well as here so how much of an extra burden is it now on fsg because people have now kind you know when virgil van dijk and all the defenders were out and then of course there was a talk about uh, you know fsg not willing to pay for a center back in january transfer window and they ended up loaning uh, kabak from shalka and all that so but from fsg's perspective do you think that you know because they have two sort of clubs that they need to take a look after and you know there are i know they, they don't have probably the riches of manchester city but can you see from their argument why they would be slightly hesitant to shell out so much of cash uh you know in a way yes in a way i kind of understand it because you're not managing two just two sporting clubs but you're managing two probably the biggest sporting clubs in their respective spaces right whether it's football right. or it's baseball right so it's uh, it's a tough one if you ask me i i probably agree because i come from a little bit of a financial background i kind of agree with what how fsg is managing things right now I I'd wait for this season to kind of get over and then kind of sit down and see how to kind of work these problems out because it's taken everyone with a slight hit you know it's taken everyone aback in a way that no no one's reacting to it like they would normally because no one can kind of predict the situation okay Pradi, can on. I can I ask yeah. sorry Pradi, can yeah, yeah, I ask yeah, a question can I pose a question to you and Anirudh mm. that's okay yeah yeah uh, Anirudh just a, just a, like I genuinely wanted to know from you guys uh like in terms of like like you rightly said right like with what fsg is doing uh in terms of like you know again erring on the cautious side of things how what do you feel as a fan how much does it test the patience of somebody like a klopp who's been uh probably the most accommodating manager in world football where he's completely changed the face of this team do you think um when he comes in with a request like you know i need a defender to salvage the season which i think would probably have come in like you know even before the window started and yep. you kind of furbish that with it in the vrs of the window ending or like you know the last day uh do you risk losing out on your key men because this is a concern even with bayern so i just wanted to know like what are your thoughts on that like in general this is the question i'm just posing to both of you because like liverpool could have gotten like they they could have signed someone like early on in the window but it happened a lot later so i just want to know if if this goes on in the summer Do you like does a the somebody like a Klopp then be like you know what like I can only do so much? Uh, Anil, wanted to take that first. Then I'll give you my answer to that. All right. Uh, so from my perspective, again, I don't. Uh, yes, it def- definitely does test someone's patience, especially someone like Klopp, who's like if you ask me, very honestly, he's been the best signing for Liverpool since forever. So uh, that that's how I look at it. Uh, and yes, he will get frustrated, but I also think he's. human enough to kind of understand and he's not i don't think he's as it doesn't hit his ego but what it hits is the fact that he's not seeing that kind of support and it's not like that it's not that fsg isn't supporting as he also understands that the situation is one that is unprecedented and it's, it wasn't something that anyone could have predicted because otherwise fsg and klopp with obviously edwards in the middle of all of it have been brilliant together they're signing i've not had or i don't think liverpool fans as such have had too many issues with the signings over the years 
you might see a lot of plastic saying Thiago is doing nothing, all of that. But it's just it's just a bunch of plastic saying. But otherwise, I think their signings have been brilliant. I've not had I don't think we've had any issues with the signings. Uh, but as I said, if you look at it, we signed Van Dijk. I think uh, in a similar in a similar winter window or however you'd like to call it. And FSG was ready to spend what 80 million at that point. But the fact that COVID happened and they weren't ready to spend it in this window is a kind of like a statement for me uh, in a way that they're, they're actually acting, acting cautious. Uh, but yeah, on to you, Pradi. What's your perspective on this? Right. I, I mean, similar to you, I think, yeah, it definitely tests Klopp's patience. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure the fact that he's being hounded by the media because of poor results would not help his cause. As much as he'd like to ignore all of that, I'm sure the fact that Either the, his system's not being able to get the best out of his players and the fact that you know the media just will never leave him alone uh, will definitely play a part of it. But I'm sure he he does know to an extent... Okay, see, with, when you're talking Van Dyke and FSG has spent... Yeah, but the other way to look at it is we we sold Coutinho to fund that. So I have no issues with it. We I mean, having a, a good net spend when you spend on good players, it's still fine. I don't mind that. It's... Net spend when it's positive and you don't spend at all, that's that then it becomes an issue. FSG have been willing to spend. That's not an issue. And I think he knows that he can get he will get the support. It's just that I think all of these factors all culminating at one point of time have frustrated him. But at the at the end of the day, I think he still knows that uh, you know, this is an exceptional circumstance. Uh and I think yeah, he 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 I'm sure he'll be aware of it. I don't think he's gonna throw his toys out of the pram and then start you know, ranting about, I won't get this play, I won't get this play. I'm sure there will be some amount of it because he uh, also wants to succeed. He also wants to do well, but it won't be a full-blown outrage sort of thing. So that's where I stand on it. Um, But I, okay, I can pose that for you. I know you mentioned, you know, the German club that could be hit. And if you, if you look at it in the long run, if things were to continue like this, you will not be able to, I mean, you might have to sell in order to buy. How do you go if you are going to dominate world football, whether it be Champions League or whether it be Bundesliga and stuff like that? How do you compete against the likes of uh, PSG and Man City? And I guess like the same question could be asked with to Anirudh as well. How do you compete with these guys who probably have untold riches? I, I mean, City maybe to a slightly lesser extent, but PSG who've got you know the whole state, whole country of Qatar kind of sort of backing them up. So how do you compete with them? knowing that you will have to continue to keep, you know, selling and buying rather than just, you know, buy the stars because you have that sort of money. I've never really looked at it as a competition, if I say it. Like, I've never said, oh, we need to buy a 120 million player or 150 million player. I've never looked at it that way. And I don't think Liverpool... Uh, as a club, looks at buying that way. If you've looked at over the history, our buying history doesn't say that we spend that much on... Like, if you look at now, yeah, now we're worth, like, what? I think over 900 million, if you say squad cost or yeah. worth, squad worth, right? We're over 900 million. But that's obviously... But back in the day when these players were worth nothing, that was not the cost. Right? That was not what they were worth. So, they've grown over the last four years or five years of time. So, I would never be in a position where I'd be like, oh... Uh, Man City have signed uh, okay so when they signed Kevin De Bruyne I was never like oh they signed Kevin De Bruyne or it was never like or when they signed uh, they signed big defender now they signed uh, Ruben Diaz right so even when they signed Ruben Diaz it's not a competition I don't think 
it's ever competitive but i don't know at bayern munich perspective might be a little different from mine so yeah <laughs> yeah so so first we asked sujay to give us uh, haland and sancho i think that's how we start <laughs> we asked them for like a couple of seasons alone and uh, then we take it but, but on a, on, a, on a serious note i think uh, i think clubs like bayern and liverpool in my opinion are, um, opinion are going to have it tough but the bright side of that is that you know like clubs like bayern and liverpool can afford to uh be in the wilderness or the continental wilderness for slightly longer if it means that uh you know your youth system is stronger and whether youth players are coming through i think it's going to be super hard from a player to player value like like anirudh said to compete with a psg and uh, a city or even any other club that is that is willing to pay top dollar but i think that if you can you if your scouting system is strong and if you can identify players that fit right in like if if i if i could give you an example uh, like ba- like bayern's core is uh, is of these young german players which are ganabri sula kimik um you know and like and the likes of leroy sane and goretzka yeah. and and you barely spent over like 40 million on them and then you have somebody like a davies coming from the mls who largely uh, you know by the profile of the transfer would probably be a, a stuttgart or a schalke or a mainz signing so i think it will be super important to to focus on scouting and identifying problems high profile as a thing like uh, like anirudh said will automatically look like you know uh, will automatically kind of push clubs like liverpool bayern dortmund who's been doing it really well for years now uh, in identifying players from smaller leagues from smaller teams and i think that's where like some of these clubs like actually all of the guys on the on the panel today like one thing about inter barca dortmund Barca not so much maybe in the last few years but uh, over like say the last 10 years the trajectory has been that scouting's been ex- excellent right so right. i think that's where you'll kind of invest money again where you will look at like a belgian league a lot more you look at you look at talent and you look at nurturing that talent rather than replacing it with established players and i think that's going to be the norm now so so the team with the best scouting and the best youth academy is likely to win in the long run even if you don't really do well do as well in the short term so i think no, that's my perspective fair enough i think yeah, i was going to ask you whether also you know tactics play a huge thing because even if you have all the money if your manager is literally um you know useless uh, so <laughs> it's not going to help you m- that much uh so i think yeah it's it's all going to come down to how the manager probably gets the best out of your players and that's what we probably seeing from hansi flick or your jurgen klopp's or Well, probably Antonio Conte here. Uh, I mean, Dortmund just sacked there, so I can't really say this. Uh, but yeah, probably Marco Rosa soon. And yeah, uh, all right. So, Amani, from uh, now probably the last sort of question that I have for each one of you going forward. Now, uh, I know you mentioned that it's imperative that Inter find an invested, interested buyer. Uh, but what are the other sort of changes that you kind of expect going forward? you you can change the scenario as you want you probably the best case scenario that you know fans are back with the whole vaccine and you even in limited numbers they're back uh and you probably win a few trophies and all of that so but how do you how does the board kind of go on from here uh no saying that see the italian league uh, like you guys mentioned uh, you guys mentioned some certain points but problem with inter in general or our new managers is that as soon as they come in they are supposed to win something like for example conti conti came with the project he has two years to deliver 
So no matter how good the scouting is, uh, no matter how he wouldn't get success right away. That's a problem with uh, Italian league and uh, and I think possibly with the Spanish league too. Whenever a new manager comes to Real Madrid, Barca, Inter Milan, Juventus, they're expected to win right away. Or Chelsea. <laughs> yes. See, Liverpool and the clubs like Bayern, they have a long-term project like Klopp. I think mm. uh, first couple of years haven't won anything, but still the club, they trusted him. They came a lot of resources to him to develop a team. But like Conti, like in, in spite Inter did a lot in his first year, still a uh, lot of uh, people were unhappy with this overall because we didn't win any silverware. So the thing is that always pressure is there. So there's no time for scouting and stuff in the short term. But yes, going forward, I think, yes, that, that will be the right way because not many clubs are going to spend right away. Not many clubs are going to give a blank check apart from one or two clubs. So uh, in that case, I don't think Inter is going to do any big signings. Uh, but what I would suggest is the ideal scenario for Inter is maybe a big uh, like Saudi investment group taking over or, uh, you know, like a Qatari investment <laughs> taking over. <laughs> then yes, Inter, Inter is going like maybe 10 steps ahead yeah. rather than the natural scenario of maybe uh, one, two, three, four years. That year. We can skip that and straight away go 10 steps ahead. So I think that that is the most likely scenario because in the Chinese uh owners they're not selling the club cheap they want at a premium so that's where mm-hmm. the talks of potential investors are you know it's 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 a kind of whole situation right now because inter is looking close to 1 billion to sell like uh, the inter owners looking close to 1 billion for a right wow. investment so right now the value is coming close to 800 million 900 million but they look still standing off for 1 million, 1 billion so the moment somebody comes up with coughs up that amount uh, inter is sold the very next day uh, so Paddy, the ideal scenario if you ask me is wealthy owners like a, a saudi based uh, company or in a uae based mobile that are they were invested uh, interested to buy uh, inter Okay. Yeah, wouldn't that be the ideal situation for every club that we all have wealthy owners come in, pump in money, and then we start? Oh, uh, that would just be the battle of the wealthiest. Uh, yeah, but I can see, I can see that happening, and, and I can understand. I think uh, sellers want the best price, buyers also want the best price. So it's, uh, you know, it's all about finding a compromise somewhere there. And uh, yeah, it kind of reminds the, me of this. And the thing which joke. works. Sorry, the thing which works for Inter is also Inter's on top of the table. I think within a yeah. few months, they can potentially be uh, the champions you know, after a decade. So that mm. again is entice a lot of investors to come and yeah. just take over a winning project right away. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely helps your cause. Uh, uh, Sujay, from Dortmund's perspective, uh, what do you think the board should do from now on? And uh, like I just mentioned, how imperative it is. Is it for Dortmund to continue what they've been doing in terms of like, you know, developing young talent and sort of uh, getting them, raising them to, you know, almost like world-class statuses? Yeah, so I mean, we're already known for our scouting and youth academy projects mm-hmm. and players who have developed, uh, you know, to a world-class status. I think we should continue doing that. But I think even more than that, we need to focus on retaining these players. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the finances get better and the fans start coming in, I think one of the main focus should be having these players stay at Dortmund, help us win the championship, help us win the trophies, help us lift the silverware. And, you know, with doing that, the finances will improve automatically. So I think that's the way to go ahead. Awesome. And what what do you expect? I mean, I, I know it's slightly deviating, but what do you expect from Marco Rose? Because I've been kind of spoken to any Dortmund fan regarding that. Uh, so Marco Rosa showed really, really good results with Gladbach in the first uh, in his first season, and uh, I just hope that he is able to fix some problems in our squad, especially to do with our defending, uh, our lack of abilities to defect uh, defect the set pieces, 
and uh, produce some good results out there so you know that's the only expectation i have just get the points on the board doesn't matter if it's a 1-0 victory right okay perfect uh rahul from barcelona's perspective i know uh, the elections are out now but uh are are uh, are happening tomorrow but you know giving that laporta wins the election and then starts you know rebuilding the club what more what are the things that you kind of looking out for from him apart from you know solving your debt issue which we spoke about earlier uh, look uh, right now barcelona gifted with a good youth right we have very good young players at the moment in puj trinkao and they've been doing pretty well in my opinion uh, so i think the main thing uh, after laporta comes in would be to retain those players uh, start building bring in some senior players in case messi leaves and have a balance in the squad try to win some of the trophies to to reduce that tension which is already there between the club and the fans and move forward slowly basically slowly but steadily and not advance again fall into that pit of that that's that's the main thing with barcelona barcelona needs stability right now that's that's the most important thing at the moment right okay perfect uh anirudh from liverpool's perspective uh, what do you expect now fsg to because everyone's everyone said that you know winter window would be quiet because they're planning something big for su- the summer window now we don't know how things would pan out in terms of you know the league position right now is obviously in dire jeopardy uh champions league is champions league we don't know what's going to happen there but what do you expect the fsg to do come the summer Uh very honestly I think there's definitely going to be shredding the dead weight which is taking out uh, I think Groich is on loan I think they'll probably try and convert it to a sell uh, situation or probably loan him out again we have I think Origi definitely be going uh, in the next window uh so from me from my perspective I think as you said it's going to be a a sell and then buy kind of situation once you have confirmed uh, deals you kind of uh, go in for the next for the player you want to get in But apart from that, I, I think they'll uh, they'll probably want to convert Kabak's uh, Kabak's uh, deal. I'm not going to judge him based on three or four performances. I think he's got potential. He's played a lot of football for his age. Like he's played a lot of professional football for his age. I think it's just about, as you said, it's just about coaching, training, finding the right talent, and then kind of nurturing them. Right. So yeah. you found someone at twenty, and that's a good age, you know. Especially because of the amount of football he's played, professional football. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, I think FSG. Uh, I'm confident with whatever they do. I, in a way, yeah, you could call me a blind fan because I, I kind of blindly believe, and uh, I always have been doing that with Liverpool. So I think I'm just going to keep my faith with FSG. I think they believe in Klopp. I think Klopp believes in them. It's a two-way, it's a two-way thing. And Edwards is always, always going to do like do something like ridiculously good for the club in terms of the transfer window. So yeah. and added to the fact if i'm not mistaken that they are waiting on a potential investment from uh michael i uh, was michael bean billy bean uh, who was who worked with obviously the boston red sox uh, you know early on when they won their first championship after god knows how many years whose uh, life moneyball was made the movie moneyball was uh, uh, based on uh, i think they're waiting on a major investment the problem being that he can't quit his already uh, hey, what the current job that he has with the Oakland home Oakland Athletic or someone uh, so he can't quit that until he 
quits that he can't invest so i'm sure you know something like that it was actually supposed to happen i think earlier this year or something but that got postponed added to that you know the redevelopment of anfield as well so stuff like that i think the investment would definitely be key here for liverpool all right and lastly ojus from bayern's perspective what what do you expect you know or what do you what do you look forward what are you looking forward to from the board so i i honestly think uh, we will be not spending as much i think uh, unless there's a free agent like we we signed omar richards from reading so unless uh, there's a free agent or somebody who's coming in at a relatively cheap price i think our markets our, our transfer window is going to be relatively quiet but i do feel that we we desperately need a midfielder and probably a right back so i think it's going to be funded by the sales of quisan zerksi and all like bayern is about nine loan player like nine youth players loaned out so i think uh we're going to whatever we purchase will be funded by them so i think at max we will sign another midfielder uh and if we're not able to sell these players then i think we won't be signing anyone so i think it, it's going to be a fairly conservative um a window on bayern's part because most of our players uh contracts run out in either 23 or 22 so i think the priority is going to be clearly putting funds away to to tie this this core group of players in the long term so so yeah i i don't i have no expectations my only hope is that bayern just kind of furbishes uh hansi clicks needs because i think he's the kind of guy who's who's very patient but at the same time uh if he doesn't feel like he's supported enough i don't think he'll stick around for long i think okay. he'd be more than happy to bounce if if he just feels he's not respected enough and mm-hmm. i think if he needs something i think bayern should kind of he he deserves it so i think we just support him enough and if if he has a if he has a request that, that's all i would probably hope from the board oh yeah i mean definitely i think the same club right i think he deserves the support that yeah he deserves all of it so i mean i wouldn't hesitate supporting him but it's just a matter of fact a uh, matter of you know ga- getting money and i think from bayern's perspective uh you know of course i, I don't want to say but the league's there almost so uh um, we are just two I points mean, we are just two points i know leipzig that could <laughs> change very quickly so yeah it could yeah. be four or six <laughs> yeah it, it was eight it became two so it could, it could yeah. very well yeah, go the, the, yeah. yeah definitely but uh yeah but i guess winning more trophies would definitely help the matter and it, it would be probably sad to see some of the youngsters go but uh, i guess if you i mean there sometimes you have these sell on clause uh, these buyback clauses or something like that or if they're not good enough then it's still fine as long as they're getting more game time absolutely as long as you, you they're getting to play i think i think that's all that matters yeah all right all right okay cool perfect so uh guys i guess that's about it for this particular podcast episode uh i i mean, it was a really insightful talk it was really great to hear all of your thoughts uh, about your clubs uh, and uh, yeah i can't wait to host you in the near future whether it be for similar such episodes or if it is something shorter where we kind of review games that happened during the midweek or weekend uh but yeah i can't wait until that such a time happens and i hope that's in the near future uh also thank you to those of you been listening to this entire podcast episode uh if you do like the content that we are putting out here then please do check us out on seven different podcast platforms like uh anchor spotify google podcast apple podcast amazon uh pandora you name it we're probably there and uh, if you do have any differing views to what you've heard on this particular episode or if you want to if you wish to be a part of this podcast uh please do let us know you can do that either on instagram or on twitter where i try to keep as active as possible 
and uh, yeah i guess i'll catch you all next sunday uh, that's it for episode number 23 of season 2 of the ffs podcast i'm your host pradi once again you stay safe and see you